This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me tonight is Richard Halls. Hello, everyone. This week, we have five new films to discuss. We're going to kick off with Terence Howard in Showdown at the Grand, also featuring a certain Dolph Lundgren. Uh, then we have Mercy Falls, set in Scotland. Evie, which is set, I don't know, somewhere in England. Uh, Werewolf Santa, which is definitely set in Hastings. And then Muzzle over in down, was it? Skid Row in Los Angeles. Our short shot this week is Unleashed, and our DTV throwback finds us in space with Hellraiser Bloodline. So, without further ado, let's crack on. Our first film, then, is Showdown at the Grand. A proud movie theatre owner must defend his family business from corporate developers alongside a legendary action star as art imitates life in a showdown for the ages. Here we are in November, Rich, and I, you know, starting to put together my sort of top 10, bottom five list for the end of the year already, starting to compile it, you know. And along comes a film which definitely, definitely deserves to be in that top 10, as far as I'm concerned. I had no idea what this film was going to be putting it in. Um, I had my worries that it was going to be, I don't know, some sort of Tarantino-esque horror. It wasn't a horror thing, but just a, a horrible mess, mm-hmm. basically. You know, um, and, and the way it starts off, I was like, well, this is weird. And and then I, I clicked before you hear the laughter that what we were watching was a clip from a mm-hmm. a film you know an eighties film. I did like the the um, the caption that comes up saying New York in it was it was a twenty twenty five New York yeah and it's literally yeah. a literally a one horse western town. I thought that was very good. Um, yeah, and, and we got Dolph Lundgren on in fine form in this uh, playing multiple parts um well play, playing the same character but in in, in multiple movies so I, th- I thought it was uh, very very good uh terence howard of course o- owner of the um you know the grand theater it's on its last legs but he's you know he's he's a proud guy he wants to hold on to it he wants wants to hold this uh, event bringing back the um the star of these uh, these 80s thrillers um and uh, you know it has some classic beats to it. You know the the the, um, the corporate muscle trying to push him out of business and all this sort of stuff. I, I just thought it was a joy to watch. How did you find this one? Yeah, I thought I really liked it as well. I thought it was you know it was really a good solid production value. Terence Howard's fantastic in the lead. Mm. And, you know he's just he's just got so much. Uh, gravitas and cool i guess you know he's just really um you know he's very engaging he's i mean he's very very well dressed as well uh the costume uh, department did a really good job um with the film and because he likes to dress as kind of a cowboy in a yeah. lot of his scenes and there's a bit where he's got a really nice suit and stuff um so yeah he's kind of uh defend it's kind of an 
Rio, not Rio Bravo. You know, it's that kind of Western mm. kind of thing that they're going for. Is like he is like the, um, the the sort of the sheriff in the in the in, instead of like a jail, he's not a sort of guard in the jail. He's he's looking after the theatre and and trying to take on the you know these uh, people coming in. And it kind of it does it does do all the stuff you kind of expect this sort of thing to do, but it does mm -hmm. it with a twist. I think um, it's a bit novel. There is definitely a a Tarantino ish sort of flourish to a lot of it but it's not not sort of beholden to it i mean you know the look at the poster the whole idea of the the, the cinema and the mm. uh the sword you know using the swords and everything and some of the uh visuals the the whole um even the the retro film clips and stuff that mm. there's a lot of sort of tarantino uh grindhouse all, all sort there, of there is, yeah, there. there is that element of like you know what we see in the um you know the trailer part of uh grindhouse for example yeah um there, there is certainly an element of that um, but it's I, also one of these kind of fighting back against the um the you know the, the, the sort of overwhelming powers sort mm -hmm. of, you know in the old you know like the sort of 80s they'd have this the um the little guy fights back against the property developer kind of yeah, all that story. Sort of stuff, yeah. And that's, there's elements of that. That's in exactly here. what it is. That's exactly yeah. what it is, isn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah, it's really good. Um, the, the sort of main bad guy in this is played by Amanda Rigetti, who, if you're a fan of the series, the mentalist, you'll be very familiar with her work. Um, she, she had, she was one of the main characters in that series. Um, and, and she's, you know, she, she's great at this. I thought just really, really sort of calm, cool and collected sort of thing. You know, she doesn't, doesn't yell, doesn't monologue or anything really, you know, she's just like menacing. I just thought it was really good. Yeah. And she's got this kind of, um, it, I mean, it's quite, I think the budget was quite limited, but she, they got, they got every time they go to where she is, she's like mm. in, in this kind of, it? yeah, it, it's so like, like she's, waiting in a corridor for this big big uh place it's all very white and there's yeah. stuff on the wall but it seems like it's almost like a it's walkway. Sort of, she's always yeah. there she seems to be just sort of waiting there i'm guessing it's supposed to be her office yeah but... it's, it's it's minimalist but at the same time it, it, yeah. it looks very classy at the same time yeah you know? oh yeah and she and say so she's she's it's quite interesting because she's got these kind of thugs these mm. two guys who are sort of doing her dirty work for her um and they you know they're very much it's cartoonish you know it's that kind mm. of um the the joker and his goons kind of thing whereas she she's quite refined and, and there's you know this guy with loads of tattoos on his face who's who's actually a, a i believe he's kind of a, a tattooist who became a, an actor and he's got actually tons <laughs> and tons of credits um now um i think i can't remember his name was uh mike ferguson um mm. but yeah so him and the other guy who's also kind of again the same kind of character you you expect, yeah. but with a bit of a twist. He's got this sort of he looks like an accountant or something, and he's got like um this sort of wispy, you know, hair. He's a bit older, he's got this mustache and stuff. He uh looks like a bit of a waster, but mm. he's also this completely psychotic um right hand man kind of character who's um, yeah. you know toys with um toys with um uh Fuller uh, played by Howard and, and and the rest of the cast who um uh, while uh Ferguson as Reed is kind of the uh, sto yeah. not stoic, but he's he's more of the sort of sensible muscle kind of character. So he's kind of the muscle, but he's a, he's clearly an intelligent guy, and you know, so it's all that we're seeing very familiar kind of 
characterizations but in in a slightly different way and i would i think that also extends to um to dolph lundgren as well who yeah. is cast as the movie star claude luke halliday who i'm convinced was probably written for jean-claude van damme mm. because of the claude and luke luke being i presume mm. is a reference to luke Devereux, and the halliday i think is a reference to uh is it johnny halliday johnny halliday the, french actor the, uh, yeah. the french french uh, singer and actor who did the Johnny Toe film that I keep meaning to see. Yeah, Revenge. Um, Revenge. Yeah. Vengeance. Vengeance. Vengeance, that was it. Very um, good yeah. So, yeah, and um, I think this is, you know, this film gives Dolph quite a really interesting character to play because he kind of gets to do the the stuff that he's known for, the kind of standard mm. action stuff, but they give him a bit of dramatic stuff to do as well. He's mm. So it, it's sort of leaning into sort of more uh, parody but playing it very straight. Uh, but he's also a kind of, uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a proper character where he's a guy who's aging. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a bit dis, he's a bit uh, distanced from reality, and he and also from from his fame and stuff. He's kind of lo- not losing Estonia it, but... or somewhere, isn't he? Just, yeah, he's uh... kind of in his own. Which again, I think is kind of the the Jean-Claude Van Damme kind of thing of, you know, he kind of lives in his own little world and he's, he's always sort of saying, you know, he, he comes out with weird stuff and, you know, he's, he's sort of uh stream of consciousness kind of stuff coming out of his mm-hmm. head. And he's, he's, he's a bit of, um, I, had, I don't like to use the term has been, but he's kind of, he's not who, where he was mm-hmm. once was. And he's, he kind of doesn't really know where his place in the world is anymore. Yeah. He sort of um, turned, turned his back on the action scene, didn't he? And, and sort of went off, did his own thing. And he's and yeah. it's it's really um, Terence Howard's character who sort of like dragged him back, yes. you know, and sort of got him to 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 do this appearance for this this marathon. And thing. they get some nice scenes because, say, Dolph is kind of brought out in front of this crowd, and he's like really nervous and uncertain about it, and and then he's, he 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 tries to do a kick, and and it doesn't go very well and stuff. And, and so it's sort of, it's he's. It's really interesting because it's not the sort of thing we see Dolph do normally. Mm. And I wouldn't say it's a, he's not playing comedy. There is comic elements to it, but it, I think it's a, it's a more dramatic role with elements oh, yeah. of action. He no, still absolutely. gets to do, uh, he gets to do a cool scene with, uh, with a motorbike and stuff, which brought me to, brought to mind um, uh, command performance. There's, yeah. um, there's an element of that in there. But it, so it's got different things for, um, mm. for Dolph fans, I think. I think the only thing, I do think he's undermined by the wigs. <laughs> I like I the wigs. Oh, you like the wigs? Yeah, I, 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 like the wigs. I, I thought the wigs just threw me too much, and uh, they just so obviously. I don't know what they were going. For. Yeah, I don't know what they were going for. Maybe, um, maybe early single or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, the film's directed by you mentioned Seagal, funnily enough. Um, the film's directed by Orson Oblovitz, who is the son of Michael Oblovitz, who did um, two of Steven Seagal's movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Foreigner and Out for a Kill, uh, as well as um, well, he he started his career with stuff like This World and the Fireworks with Billy Zane and oh, yeah. so yeah. so and actually he appears in because over the end credits it shows all the people who were in the movie mm. and uh, that, was, he appears... that was good. I, I did I did like that because it's like well, the, the you know the um, the, the Gestapo. Uh, firing squad with the, with the PAs and things like this, yeah. you know. So that was, oh yeah, that yeah. Was a nice, nice little touch. Yeah. And you know the bit of the um, uh, the bit in the movie within the movie where um, Dolph goes to this sort of 
I think it might be the New York thing. And he talks to the, uh, you know, it's post-apocalyptic and he talks mm. to the, the woman behind the bar. Yeah, yeah. Well, the woman behind the bar is the director's mum. That's right. Yeah. And stuff like that. And John, oh, John Savage is in it. It's a good cast. John, John Savage, Savage is, is in there. really good in Again, this. Again, probably, yeah. I mean, I haven't seen John Savage have a, a, you know, a solid role like this for quite some time. It's quite possible that he's had a few that have just sort of passed me by. I know he's, I know he's, you know, he's, he's very much active. It's not like he doesn't appear in stuff very often. He's, he's all over the place, but you know, his, his career goes back to, you know, deer hunter and all that. And yep. that sort of thing. And he's thin red line. He did that. And, um, but he's also did, um, you know, nineties action movies. I'm pretty sure he did red scorpion too. And, and things like, or, uh, things like that. But yeah, I thought he was really solid. And those, the, uh, him and, uh, 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 Terence Howard have a really good dynamic. You know, their buddies kind of brought to mind the sort of VFW kind of thing, mm -hmm. the, yeah, where, where the, these old guys and you know they 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 don't really care about the money. They they don't really care about the fact that they're kind of at the they're not the most successful people in the world. But they've got their they've staked their what they've got. That's what they've yeah, got. Exactly. Yeah, you know, he's got his store, and he's not gonna he wouldn't go for anything. That's just that's he's settled. That's his place. You know, and um, and the same with with um terence howard's character who's you know the, the movies are his life the theater is his life you know that's the re he says it in the movie like that this is this is what keeps me going it's yeah. what i get but he's also very pragmatic he loves movies but he also knows it's a business and, he, and he's very much a businessman but it's yeah. the business that drives him and the and the sort of keeping the business going as yeah. well as entertaining people that is his drive. I thought there's lots of really interesting nuances to the film. I just want to mention a couple of things as well. Uh, what, well, three things actually. First, the, um, there's a, another character in this called Doc, who's the new the new recruit, the new intern. I thought. Oh yeah, I yeah. Thought she was quite sweet, really. Um, looked a bit like Carrot Top, but um, I thought she she was pretty good. There's an interesting scene where she sort of, gets, sort of spouts off all these films, and sort of Terrence Howard goes, "Those are films. We deal in movies." You know the difference, the sort of art and, and, and entertainment kind of kind of kind of difference. Um, there was that. There's a really nice scene with Terence Howard and, and Dolph Lundgren's characters where he's showing them all the props that he's sort of um, you know curated for for this particular event, including mm -hmm. the you know the whole bird and Dolph Lundgren's going, oh yeah, you know so the the, the sort of the the armory guy he found this. <laughs> and he's like, "What? It's real?" I thought that was uh, <laughs> that 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 was really, really cool. And, and and the bit where he gets him to um, to repeat that monologue from the, the the Vietnam movie that he did. You know, he's going, "Oh, you re it's a shame you didn't get your Oscar that year." <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought that was um, pretty good. Um, but the other the other thing, I mean, you know, there there are some nice deep cuts in this film. It isn't just all sort of, you know, the more obvious stuff. Like, the, the character, um, you know, we were just mentioning, um, uh, God, Lucky. No, not Lucky. Um, Doc? No. Um, sorry. <coughs> um, Burton, the, the other henchman, the, the sort of the older oh, one. Oh, played by John Scarloff. Scarloff, sorry. Who looks um, a bit like David Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> he he gets, you know, I mean, a lot of his dialogue is just quotes from films. So, some mm, of them are, yeah, some of, some of them are obvious, you know, but not all of them are obvious. Some of them, you know, there are a few sort of deep cuts in there as well, you know, which sort of test your knowledge a little bit. So, oh, okay, yeah, nice one. I, I, quite, I quite appreciate he's, that. 
but he, it's a kind of an interesting thing what he's what they're doing there because he's kind of he's using these quotes but he's doing it in a sort of taunting way yeah absolutely you know sort of belittling you know to, sort of almost like look, you can't tell what he, is he a real film fan we're not quite sure it seems like he, mm. you know he knows enough that he might be but the way he's saying it is kind of like it's niggling he's kind of yeah. niggling, trying to niggle them with it with it yeah exactly but yeah there's loads i mean yeah a lot of his lot of his lines and yeah he's a re- in yeah interesting character nice piece of work good performance mm-hmm. indeed okay how are you going to score it I think uh, I think it was, yeah. I think it was a pleasant surprise. I think there's a lot of a lot of interesting stuff in it. Uh, it's not quite one thing or another. So if you're expecting a big action movie, it's not that. Uh, it's kind of comedy, comedy, comical, but it's not comedy. But I think it's a bit of a blend of different things. Mm. Uh, definitely a love letter to to movies. Not not necessarily just movies, but the you know the the theatrical presentation of mm-hmm. movies uh and i th- i think i'm gonna go I th- yeah i think i'm gonna go seven on it i think it's it's border bordering an eight um i think yeah i'm gonna go on seven the cinematography is really good by the way uh no one rosenthal was the cinematographer make, makes this film look really good um did the short film uh no overnight parking which we covered oh, recently yeah, on yeah. The, on the short good, yeah, one of the ethereum uh, ones ethereum it? ones yeah yeah um, yeah, no, this is definitely an eight for me. I, I really enjoyed it. It really did surprise me. Um, I, I loved the, the clips. Mo- Moses versus the Gestapo, whatever it's called, or the SS versus Moses. Oh, or, yeah, yeah. Uh, or, <laughs> well, that's it's where called. it's really going into the sort of yeah. parody, um, yeah. Tropic Thunder-ish kind of, kind yeah. of yeah. elements. Yeah, that was, but that was fun. But I have but, seen films like that. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. There are oh, stuff, yeah. There's, there's stuff like that out there. No, absolutely. But... Um, yeah, I, I just thought this worked really, really well. You know, it wasn't a case of, you know, it wasn't a case of Terence Howard, having, you know, having to wait till the end of the film before he saw, like, you know, girded his loins and came off, you know, fought back. I mean, he, he starts fighting back almost immediately, which I thought was great. You know, he's he's not going to sort of uh, take things lying down when those two, like when those two punks turn up. And, uh, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't kind of it kind of does the things you expect it to do, yeah, but it, yeah. it does them in kind of a different order and more you know um, uh, unexpected development. You don't expect him to sort of throw himself into you know just yeah absolutely getting on yeah. with it. Um, but he, I say, Terence Howe, he's not just there. You know, he's very much the lead. He's not just a, you know he doesn't just turn up for a couple of scenes or whatever. He's in it all the way through. He's completely committed to his performance. It's a really really great performance from yeah. him, I think. Uh, we've seen him in a few things recently where he was kind of the, uh, you know, he was like a coach, oh, wrestling cop. coach, and yeah, what was like that other one? The cop, wasn't it? Where, um, the, the, was it called the Walk or something like that? Wasn't that Terrence uh, Howard in that one? Oh, I can't remember, but I, we have seen him in a few things about, where about he was the segregation of schools in um, Chicago. Yeah, yes, that was right. Yes, yeah, I think that was the Walk. Um, where he's kind of more of a secondary character or a supporting yeah, yeah. character. Uh, and doesn't really. I mean, he's always good, but he didn't get to do. You know, did you know? He doesn't really get a great performance range, uh, yeah, opportunity. A, yeah, yeah, right, right. He gets some, you know, some nice monologues, some sort of tender moments, and and you know, some. Yeah, he gets to build the proper character and and you know, make him really memorable, mm-hmm. which are, which I think was which is quite rare. Um, so yeah, definitely. You know, Ter- Terence Howard. I know there's been. So I think there's been some complications with his career and stuff i don't know what's been going on there but he's kind of things kind of went off the rails a bit but this is definitely um you know uh him at his at his you know best i would say yeah and and you know 
opposite him, T uh, Dolph Lundgren, did, did some sterling work here as well. Yeah, excellent, yeah. yeah. So there you go. That is a seven and an eight for Showdown at the Grand. Go check it out. Our next film is Mercy Falls. A group of friends set off into the Scottish Highlands in search of a long-lost cabin. Once far from civilization, an unforeseen tragedy befalls the group, and one bad decision leads to suspicion, betrayal, and murder. Um, okay, so this, like a lot of films of this kind, it takes a while to get going. Um, and and, and I, I think films like this kind of live or die by their characters and whether or not you sympathize with any of them at all. <laughs> you can Which is a problem be, here. <laughs> it is a bit of a problem here. Uh, you know, we're, we're kind of stuck for about half an hour with these very annoying people. Um, you know, uh, uh, just all what, of them. What, what, okay, what, why in movies do they always have groups of friends mm. who clearly wouldn't be friends in real life because they're just rubbing up they're rubbing each other up the wrong way like the whole time it's yeah. like what why why are they even why are they even going on a trip why, why would they, yeah. like, sure. they don't seem like they like each other at all we don't like them and they don't like yeah. each other like kind of i mean yeah there's there's the classic setup you know i mean i was watching it at one point going oh huh, that's that's weird there's six of them yeah, it's like ah, oh, one of them's the killer, right? Okay, you know that makes sense. So five plus a killer out in the wilderness. Um, having said that, so once this, you know, if if you manage to survive the first sort of thirty minutes or whatever it is, um, up until the inciting moment, um, things do improve immeasurably because there are some decent kills in this. We do have a decent. Um, antagonist the protagonists are all ridiculous there is one point where, where they're down to three three of them and they're arg still arguing with each other and at each other's throats mm. it's like surely you can come to an agreement to sort of say we got bigger issues here than <laughs> he said she said last night you know we got a serious problem they've got this bloody serial killer chasing us um, but no, it's like, oh, hope I'll never see you again, all this sort of crap. So, like, oh, God's sake. Um, so, so it's difficult to sort of sympathize with any of them. E even the, the main protagonist, our, our sort of final girl, you know, it, it, it's taken her all of her life to finally go, oh, maybe my dad wasn't such an arsehole when he killed that deer or that horse and put it out of his misery. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. Um, but there's some, you know, there are some nice scenes. I did like the way it was shot. Um, it makes good use of the countryside. Uh, the ending, you know, that the build up around the cave and everything, I thought was very well done. So it it, it does, you know, it, it does have some redeeming features. But at the end of the day, we are, you know, stuck with with this very typical sort of dynamic of five people who, you know, kind of don't like each other very much. Well, the thing is, they 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 all they're really unappealing and they don't like each other very much. And so, and then this other person comes along, who's quite, you know, unlikable and a bit antagonistic towards them. And they're really desperately trying to 
get her to come along with them and arguing amongst themselves together. I, went, I was like, why? Why are you? I know. <laughs> it's like she she's clearly not very nice herself. <laughs> so why are you? Why are you like? Oh yeah, we you've got to come with us. Yeah. So a lot of you know unlikable people encourage somebody else who's really unlikable mm. to join them, and uh, you know they well. It makes it feel like a really forced situation. Oh, yes. <laughs> at the end, it's, it's it's kind of Again, like yeah, it's kind of just brought it on themselves at the end of the day. Yeah, five, yeah. I mean, five, five sociopaths and a psychopath. You know, go go out into the wilderness. Hmm. It was bringing to mind. Uh, it's funny because I was thinking about this. So, uh, you know, it came to mind for a couple of reasons. And one, um, when darkness falls, uh, that Tom Jolliffe wrote mm-hmm. with uh, with yep. Nathan Shepka. That one came to mind, and it was like because that's a a thriller set in a sort of a similar, hmm. uh, you know, Scottish Highlands kind of. I think it's the Highlands. Yeah, yeah, and um, but it's obviously it's the falls in the title as well, different kind of meaning. Hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, you're, when darkness falls, the mercy falls. When darkness falls is a lot better. Um, but the ledge as well that we watched. Do you remember the yep. sort of the unappealing bunch of yeah. bunch of guys who, and the guys a bit of rapey. Mm-hmm. And um, and the girl has to sort of fight back against them and stuff. Uh, that was that was a better, but you know, it's a high, more more high end version of this kind of tale. I thought, but there was, you know, I thought, you know, it is watchable, quite entertaining. There's a, a moment towards the end which seems very clearly modelled on the Sunny Landham uh, takes on the predator, or or mm-hmm. or, 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 or tries to take on the predator moment. Yeah, where um, where he he just basically lets the you know sends the others off and uh, sort of stands his ground and you know literally doesn't stand a chance you know and he mm-hmm. it's like you know goes ah gets taken out so there was a scene uh, that was very very closely modelled on that which I thought was must have been intentional um, yeah so it's fine it's all right um, I I kind of had higher hopes for it I think I was I was really looking forward to it. I, I think I'd heard, um, well, was, you know, the, the PR stuff, the PR information kind of got me quite excited for it. And uh, it's all right. But, yeah, it's just those characters that really let it down. Um, we, we've had that we've had that issue before with films like the, um, what was the one uh, set in the art school recently? Oh, Final yeah. Term. Final Term, yeah. Fun, yeah, end of, ter- end of term, I think it was, yeah. End the, of term, um, yeah. But yeah, they pr- sort of present these quite yeah unappealing characters. Sorry, I'm I'm repeating myself, going around in circles, talking about the unappealing characters. But if you can get past that, it's a solid thriller. Yeah. But um... the thing about that that end of term one though is yes, they're they're unappealing for a reason because you don't know who the killer is. Yeah. So so you, you kind of get you're trying to guess which of them is is the killer. But with this one, you you know who the killer is pretty early on, you know, and, and so so. Yeah, they're just they're just awful people. I mean, I, I do like the genre of survival horror, which which is what this is. You know, sort of mm. the idea of like being stuck in the wilderness, away from phones and all the rest of it, and civilization, and and having to battle the elements as much as you're battling, you know, some human threat, as it were. But, if you want to watch, if you want to watch a film like this, watch the you know Wrong Turn remake that was done yeah, recently. That's, that's a much better. Yeah. Um, or, more interesting. Or if you're, um, you know, if you don't mind subtitles, try Rovdeer, uh, which is a Norwegian one, or um, oh, yeah. even even Cold Prey, 
you know, I mean, that, that was that was a good one with, with much more likable characters, you know, <laughs> people who, who you can believe are actually on holiday together and, and, and actually enjoying each other's company and stuff. Exactly. Know? Yeah. It's kind of we see a lot of these kind of movies, but I don't think I've seen a film with char- with with characters this ill matched mm. um, and say that that quite well that must have been by design but i just don't think it i think it works to the it's detrimental to yeah. the overall um story because yeah, you just can't I mean, you just can't they, get behind any of the no, characters but, you know they must they may have well just run all run off in different directions <laughs> you know for for all the camaraderie and you mm-hmm. know um t- team spirit and all the rest of it no just just you go that way. I'll go this way and see if it see who survives. That would, that would be more realistic um, scenario, given the characters. Okay. Um, the other thing I did like, actually, I, I will say, is that um, fire stunt at the end. Mm. Um, especially the scream that went with it. I thought, you know, it made it even more sort of gruesome. Basically, mm-hmm. uh, I thought that was um, pretty decent. But other than that, um, how are you going to score it? Uh. I think you know everything apart from the characters is is solid. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say a five. All right, I'm actually gonna go one better. I'm gonna go a six um, because yeah, what once once it settles down and and you know things start getting a bit gruesome, I think it makes up for itself. I think you're right. Good I'm gonna to... I'm gonna go for a six as well. I'll go for a six. <laughs> cool. All right, Same two way. sixes in for uh, Mercy Falls. Go check it out. Our next review is Evie. When young girl Evie finds a cursed necklace washed up on the seaside, she doesn't realise the evil presence connected to it. As its power takes hold of her, she unleashes a deadly water demon that wants to claim her and those she loves. Um, Very, very slow-paced, this one, and it's something i don't enjoy um is is following sort of child protagonists for big chunks of the film um so i wasn't really on board with this one too much i have to admit but i did like the ending i have to say um there was a tiny tiny touch of the more about the ending. yeah i was gonna say the same thing um, um, when when she's sort of tied up at the you know at the mercy of her brother, I, I, I thought that was pretty good. Um, but yeah, it, it's a long haul. I mean, it's not a particularly long film as such, but I, ju- I just found the pace of it and, and the, what's happening not particularly engaging. Um, you feel any different, Rich? I did. I think I I, I actually really liked the um, the sort of the pace and the atmosphere of the film. Uh, quite a lot. The, the, we've got quite a long uh, first act, which is like you say, where you're following the kids and, and stuff, and then we we jump forward to um, a few years later, uh, or several years later, I should say, and we follow the um, adult, uh, follow Evie as a, you know as a as a young woman, and she's very un- again with sort of unappealing characters again. She's a really unappealing character um, at first. Um, and it, again, it sort of takes a while for you to sort of get on board with her character. Um, but there's, there's a lot. I'd, I'd like. I say, I thought that I think I thought it was carried along by a, a really intro, a really nice score. Mm-hmm. A bit repetitive. Was was a bit over overused, but I thought it was very 
very suited the film really well and you know it was very memorable as it sort of took me along the the film was shot in wales and it's got some really nice um uh, locations and i did uh, like the locations i did like the coastal scenes and everything i thought that was very cool. yeah old village sort of uh, old church and, and stuff it's, it's very it looks it looks great it's, it's shot really nicely uh, it's made by dominic brunt uh who did the uh the werewolf film that we covered uh, a little while ago which was oh uh hang on what was it called again i am terrible um wolf manor that was it yeah so oh, it's yeah. Of wolf manor mm-hmm. but he's also done films like bait and attack of the adult babies which yeah, yeah. i haven't seen mm-hmm. but um yeah so wolf manor was the only film of his i've actually i'd actually seen um and i like that this is di- this is slightly different i think this one looks more polished um you know certainly yeah. the um Wolf Manor was sort of leaning more into sort of B movie kind of monster movie kind of thing, whereas yeah. this is quite classic, quite a classy. Uh, I thought the Moor was a good comparison to to make um, to um, to the kind of film that this is. Um, it's you know it's not it's not a horror film uh, per se. I mean, it is a horror film, but you know, horror is not the, the main point. There's not a lot of you know quote unquote horror in it. Uh, it's a lot of character stuff. Yeah. It's very until much you get to the end, movie. basically. Then, until you get to the end, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's one of, say it's one of those movies, but it's not too arty. I didn't think it wasn't. It wasn't like an an art film. It was. It was more. It was kind of say a thriller with a supernatural element. I would say, um, and uh, yeah, I enjoyed the performances. I thought, I'd say especially the um, uh, the brother, uh, who's who's quite you know he's quite, uh, played by. Uh, oh, hang on! What's his name? I can't remember the characters' names mm. now, so I'm, so I'm struggling a bit to to see what the who the characters are. So E V was um might be. Hang on, I'm just wondering who was Evie played. So Evie was played by God. IMDb has been a bit useless. Yes, it is. I'm going to have to go. Evie is Holly, Holly Dempsey. Okay, uh, and yeah, so I'm. I apologize. I'm not sure who her, who her brother was played by, but say he's he's kind of introduced. She's been trying to get in touch with him um, for many years. They've been separated for a long time, uh, taken off, you know, in different uh, living in different circumstances since uh, uh, you know a, a horrific event in in their youth, um, and that there's struggles with you know them trying to make a connection, and you know she, she she's she's quite damaged, but she, she doesn't realize quite how damaged he is as well. And there's, there's some inter- really interesting stuff there. It's more, it's very much about them really. And, uh, say, uh, that their, their, their relationship and, and sort of facing the past and what happened and all that sort of stuff, trauma. Um, but yeah, I thought the, the sort of the build of the, you know, the more, the more, you know, the, the horror stuff worked, uh, worked quite nicely and then you know there's reveals and stuff and there's little hints peppered throughout the movie, the film and stuff it's not anything you haven't seen before yeah. you know say so, say so, you know like uh, it's hard to be original uh, when you know everything has pretty much been explored but i thought it was really really well done really interesting um certainly exceeded my expectations i think it played at fright fest and i presume it probably went down quite well there i think it played 2022 um or 2021 was it? I can't remember, but um, yeah. So definitely, I would definitely say it was worth seeing if you like a sort of a slow burn horror film rather than a, rather than a hmm. Blumhouse kind of 
Yeah, this is, I mean, you know, there are attempts at a few jump scares early on. Um, oh yeah, there are. Yeah, there's, there's, there's you know, we see something within the rocks where, where, when she finds the the necklace, and there's another st- stupid bit where it, it's a typical thing, and uh, um, where the character doesn't see it, but the audience does. You know, something yeah, yeah. jumps across the, the cam- you know, the camera lens or something. Well, that's so, kind of I kept. That's where a lot of this stuff was kind of being introduced, and then I was kind of waiting hmm. for something to happen with that. Yeah, and it doesn't, you know, at least not on screen. No. So you don't really get any real payoff until the end. And ex- exactly, yeah. So it's, it's, so, so it's very much sort of introduces some stuff and then sort of goes off and does other things. Hmm. Um, uh, I should say it's a it's Dominic Brunt, but he directed it with uh, Jamie Lundy. Uh, say they co- he, he was the co-director on the film, who's um, not got as many credits as Dominic Brunt. But I thought they worked; they clearly worked together quite well uh, on this. I think they wrote it together as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, I really, I really like. I liked it more than um, Evie. We've had, we've got like I think we've, uh, we, you know, we've been talking about, um, you know, a, a, a Scot. We've had a Scottish film, and this is a at least a shot in Wales film. I don't know where whether it's supposed to be set in Wales, but mm-hmm. um, it's. It was definitely shot there, and we're going to be talking about another British film in a little while. Absolutely, and I think this was probably the standout one for me, uh, one I would potentially go back to in the future. All right, and on that note, then, Rich, how are you going to score it? I'm going to give this one uh, a high seven, I think. All right, well, I'm dropping to a six for this one. It was, yeah, it, it didn't quite grab me the, the way I'd, I'd hoped. Um, and I, I just have a thing about horror movies with child protagonists. It just, I don't know, it just robs me up the wrong way. Um, having said that, you know, I thought the ending, sort of the, the evilness of it, I, I thought was, was spot on. Um, and I did like the, the moment when she's kind of confronted, you know, we, we've seen flashbacks as to, sort of her version of what happened when they were kids in the tragedy mm-hmm. that befell her parents. But then then we we finally see the truth of it. Um you know, and okay, yes, she's uh, you know, influenced by the medallion thing that she's wearing and things like that. But it, it's um yeah, it goes even further, which which I quite liked. Um so yeah, a a six and a seven then for Evie. Go check it out. Our next film, then, is Werewolf Santa. Lucy has a show called Monster Hunters on YouTube, but it's not doing too great with just a few viewers following her. That is, until on Christmas Eve, her camera witnesses Santa getting bit by a werewolf in the local park before turning into a werewolf himself. Okay. Um, I... I really don't know where I sit with this one, Rich. I have to say, um, it's clearly low budget, and I, and I can't really sort of hold the fact that it's low budget against it. It's just you know that's just circumstance, really. It's it's a question of what they try to do with it. Mm. Um, and okay, I kind of like the characters for once. Um, out of the films we've seen, you know, the two films we've just been talking about. Uh, there were there were a couple of interesting lines in this, I have to say. Um, 
I, I don't know. The, it all just seemed a bit overly light. It's like, you know, there's all these murders and sort of things going on and these pe people getting killed by the werewolves and that. And it's like no emotion or anything. You know, I mean, she sees somebody get killed in front of her. And her first reaction is just to walk past the body into the in, into the woods to sort of try and find out what killed him, you know. Not even like, oh, call the police or anything like that. It's just, just <laughs> any you know, any sort of reaction. Um, and and for a lot of the film, we get you know, it, it's this sort of interfamily bickering kind kind of thing going on, which yeah, you know, there, there are some you know, it's some nice dialogue and that, but. And, and and the video effects, you know, I'm, I'm not going to sort of comment on the, the werewolf costume or anything like that, but it's just like, you know, the, the, the video effects of like, oh, the batteries run out, so it got this fuzzy screen and all that sort of stuff. It was just like going on for far too long. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm very ambivalent towards this one. How about yourself? Well, you go into a film that's called Werewolf Santa with a certain... Mm -hmm. uh, expectation or low expectations or something and i think for what it is i thought it was pretty decent uh the you know i can't it's another british film with <laughs> uh or yeah yeah that's like that's out of the fit of three british films we've covered uh this week with an unappealing <laughs> uh female yeah. lead um I think of of the three unappealing female leads, she's the most engaging. Uh, probably the you know I think that again is the script. Some fun, yeah. There is some sort of quite decent lines and stuff in there. We've also got Emily Booth in there playing. Um, so that's uh, sorry, it's Catherine Rodden as Lucy, mm -hmm. uh, but we've got Emily Booth, uh, sort of um, British horror movie, you know, uh, princess yeah. mm -hmm. uh, from the of the you know nineties and noughties um, as and, as. And and as the her mother. of Joe, Joe Bob Briggs as well. Yeah, which is random because it's kind of Joe Bob Briggs is so such an American association hmm. that it just seems weird to have him his name him and his name mentioned in a um, in a British film. So when it starts, he's basically narrating the Night Before Christmas, mm -hmm. and it says Joe Bob Briggs introduces Werewolf Santa, and I was like, oh, maybe it's not a British film. Maybe maybe this is a you know, a micro because it's micro budget movie. Is it a micro budget uh, American film, not, not a British one? Um, but no, it is. Pretty, they start talking yeah. about Hastings and and stuff, which it's set in Hastings. Yeah, yeah which are, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I go to Hastings every now and again, and I've never heard anything about Werewolf Legends. So yeah. quite, whether there is or not, I don't know. But one thing I'm really not sure about is whether they actually filmed in Hastings, which made me wonder why Hastings then, because they do this thing where they drive into a. Like in a housing area, you know, clearly just mm. like a regular road, and there's a sign there saying Hastings, which yeah, is like as you do, as you do, mate. Which yeah. is not the way any signage works when no. you're going into a major, uh, major town or anything. So uh, yeah, but uh, it wasn't shot in near any landmarks or anything. No. It was it could, literally could have been anywhere, and it probably wasn't anywhere because they they sort of start out saying, "Oh, now we're in, uh, you know, no. we've gone to." It was X a country. very quick very quick transition from a, a caption saying in 1776 you know the, the, there was pirates and smugglers and all the rest mm. of it in hazings and then that's it and then it just jumps straight into 90 you know in, into the present day sort of thing it's like yeah like, i'm not sure about the captions i don't know how i feel about those but uh, the 
Um, I mean, the, the stuff about the smuggling and everything about Hastings, that is absolutely true. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's just the werewolf legends. I'm, I'm just, I'm just yeah. not sure about. But the but anyway, that, that, that aside, so the setting of it is, is kind of almost moot. I don't know why they made such a big thing about it, um, unless there really is a legend. But the... The, the say the context the sort of family arguments the the whole uh not found footage but you know the whole we're going to video well essentially yeah, what, it's, it's what we call the found footage isn't it yeah. it's like the cloverfield kind of thing of somebody's going to hold the video camera the whole time yeah. no matter what's or, happening or, or um, chad gets the axe kind of kind of scenario isn't it yes there is a little bit of that in here it's a kind of a combination a kind of a midpoint between the two i would say um i would i think I don't think that's done too badly. I think that's, you know, that's fine. I kind of go with it. And um, I think, so within the limitations mm-hmm. um, and sort of putting aside the, the sort of rough um, things with the, the, t- the title cards and, and stuff like that, I thought it actually was pretty solid. Um, mm-hmm. And the, co- you know, the, the werewolf Santa costume, the kind of stuff was fun, you know, practical. You know, there wasn't any, there was no sort of, not that I recall any sort of naff CGI in here at all. Everything no, was, was on screen. Effects, yeah, yeah. So I quite like, so, you know, I, I like that. That earned a lot of points. Um, uh, say, I thought the cast was quite, it, it, say, quite interesting. And, you know, there was there was stuff going on. It's completely ridiculous, obviously. Um, and it's only an hour and 10 minutes long. So not the most engaging film I've watched, but, you know, better I mean, than i kind of thought it was going to be and you know yeah. actually quite entertaining and, and really surprised me in another it's not it's a bit more than i think the you know the not you know it's kind of very sort of trashy title but i don't i think it's got i think it's more of a accessible movie than the kind of the the, the title would make you think it, it makes you the the title makes it seem like like it's going to be really Naff, really rubbish, yeah. and I don't think it is. I think it's quite quite a solid movie. It's, it's yeah. um... so me and Steve reviewed Red Tide Massacre last week, yeah, um, and we were quite derisive about it. And, and I'm sort of having to compare this to that. Okay. Um, I, you know, this I think I think this works better within its limitations mm-hmm. than Red Tide Massacre. Um, I, I, I think there was. It's it's missing a certain level of sort of emotional depth, is is what it is. Everything is is too breezy, you know. You know um, it, it's well, it feels it's, like there's. It also feels like there's bits missing because like yeah, yeah. there's a there's well, that's the captions, isn't it? You know, the, yeah. Well, no, it's not just that, but it's like between. I had to reverse and see because there was like a dialogue scene happening. Hmm. I think it's between like um, uh, Lucy and her dad, hmm. and they're having a sort of conversation about one thing. And then all of a sudden they're doing this like big reveal. And, yes. and, and, and I was like, hang on a minute. How did they get from that to there? It was like, I must've missed something. And I went back and I was just like, no, no, they've just, they've I done that jump. Know. They've done a yeah. jump there. I, 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 it, was, it was a bit early on as well. I think um, similar um, where, where you just think, hang on, how, how did he get from that point to this point? It is like very, very strange. But, so whether yeah. that was the script being cut down or something, I don't yeah. know. But it, it's all—it it, it was quite jarring. So that was—that's yeah. that lost some—that lost the point because you know if I'm if you lose if I'm engaged, but then I feel like I've lost something, but I haven't actually. It's just it's 
you know, and then I'm going back to check and not able to find what I'm looking for, then I think is that, that that's a problem. Um, but I think the, you know, the sort of breeziness of it was fine. I, I say I quite like the fun con. The director, um, uh, was it? Errol uh, Anthony Hales uh, is apparently doing a vampire Santa uh, next. I, th I don't think we need a whole load of these, um, but I can't think that that'll work better because you're not so reliant on makeup effects and stuff. You know, I, th I think that might end up being better than this. I don't know, mate. I didn't mind. I thought the makeup and stuff was okay, really, on this. I didn't. I, said, I didn't. I don't know. Have a problem. Well, no, I've, I found the werewolf to be too stiff and un again unengaging and unfrightening. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fair. I'd say it's difficult with, um, you know, on a budget, costumes yeah, on a on a on a low budget and Absolutely. whatever. And I, and I, I did, feel I did say I was I wasn't going to mention it as well. So that's yeah. uh, <laughs> right. Okay. Nice. I know. I say. I think uh, seeing uh, Emily Booth. Back in, mm -hmm. in, a, in a movie is always is always a good thing. So uh, I'd watch it. You know, I think it's worth watching mm -hmm. to see to see her. She's fun. You know, she's she's always been good value. Um, also interesting to see her playing a kind of the mother character. <laughs> so which really uh, that, mm. that's quite um uh, well makes you feel a bit old, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like how times have changed. You know, she was the, she was sort of running around being the wild one kind of thing, so, and now she's the. Mm. She's a mother, but she's still a bit. They they, they still add some edge to her character. Which, she which like, like. Um, was it Razorblade Smile? Was that one? That was Eileen Daly. She was oh, in right. uh, Perverella, I think it was. Oh, right, Perverella, that was it. And a whole bunch of other other stuff she's she's done over the years. The um, uh, Evil Aliens. Uh, oh she yeah, used to work a good one. Yeah, and, and stuff that like was that. by the same people who did Doghouse. Yes, she was in Doghouse as well. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm not sure how big her role was in because I didn't actually see that one. That's a good one. Yeah, but, well, one of Danny um, Dyer's better. She's, um, yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. So she was in, uh, Perverella was kind of a big break. Emily Buffont was her name All right. uh, at that time, her sort of stage name, and then she did stuff like Cradle of Fear. Oh, remember Cradle yeah, of Filth? Like, yes, I, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. And, Cradle, and then there was the Cradle of mm. Cradle of Fear Cradle film, Fear. Uh, and. Uh, uh, and say the evil, like, you know, Jake. Uh, I think it was Jake West. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, she, Jake yeah, Jake West. West who she used to work with quite a few um, times, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah. So, I think there's there's reasons to watch this. It's not a bad movie. It's quite entertaining for what it is. Um, you know, it's definitely aiming. It's not. I mean, the whole thing with the title, you know, kind of where you stand. It's aiming for the beer and pizza crowd. You know the whole Joe Bob Briggs thing. You know they're really yeah. just sort of they're, they're not trying to It'll sell it or something. It is. It's it's not like Snakes on a Plane, which kind of says Snakes on a Plane, and then tries to be something else, and it just doesn't work. Um, this is kind of you know what you're going to get, and it's actually pretty well done. And on that note, scores. Uh, I'm going to give this a six. I'm. I'm, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. I'm, as I said, I'm, I'm relatively ambivalent, but you, you've kind of convinced me to give it a six. So there you go. Two sixes for Werewolf Santa. Go check it out. Our next film is Muzzle. After his canine partner is killed in Skid Row, Police officer Jake Rosser plummets deep into a sinister underworld to uncover the truth about who may be responsible. 
I thoroughly enjoy this one, Rich. Um, it's a very solid police procedural starring Aaron Eckhart as um, our main character, Jake Rosser. Um, we have this great scene at the beginning where he's part of an attempted arrest of a, of a suspect who's who's fled his car and gone down this alley where there's like loads of vagrants and things. Um, and unfortunately, his dog gets killed in action. Well, I think he actually dies of an overdose, I think, because there's so many drugs and things in, in, in the alley. I think he dies of a, like a heart attack um, brought on by a heroin overdose. Um, and, and it's kind you know, his his sort of mission, his personal mission to sort of uh, find out who did it. There's a bit of mystery going on um, as well and, and a bit of romance with one of his neighbours. Uh, I, I just thought this was very, very solid. How about yourself? Yeah, I was thinking I was expecting more of a, an action movie than it actually ended up being. It's, it's. I'd say, it's eighty percent drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, you know, it's all, it's all sort of his him dealing with. It's it's him dealing with the grief of losing his yeah. partner, which, which in this case is the dog, and trying to establish a relationship with a new partner. Because mm. uh, what comes across is, is that you know he he is. A very sort of isolated person, isn't he? I mean, mm. you know, I mean, we, at the beginning we see him literally talking to his dog, his his partner, who, who sat in the front seat with him. You know, except he's a dog, um, and you know, he's telling you know all, all these sort of theories about you know sort of wordplay and all this sort of stuff. It's very interesting, uh, and you know, even when he sort of speaking to the therapist and things like that, he, he, you know, he he likes. The sound of his own voice, or, or he's used to the sound of his own voice, um, which I thought was, you know, it's quite an interesting sort of character for him to play. Yeah, Aaron Eckhart's really good. I mean, he's a solid actor. They've, he's definitely gone in this to, to sort of do a character, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, he's a, you know, he's a tough guy, and you know, he's 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 at times very, you know, quite unlikable. He's he's not out to make friends. Mm-hmm. He's he's you know, uh, quite mean to people at times, but he's. Uh, he's on a mission uh, to, you know, find out what was happening. And that's where kind of the film kind of goes in different directions. So it sort of leans into this drama of him sort of trying to get over uh, and past what, what's happened uh, and also, you know, grow, you know, have, you know, uh, develop as a character. Um, but then we've also got the thriller element, which kind of comes into play in little peppered bits. And then in the end, they kind of do the, getting tooled up, going in for the, you know, big action scene kind of stuff. But they add in all this, it almost, it becomes like this conspiracy level kind of thing, which I thought was a bit too much. It's, 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 like goes, yeah, goes it's a bit an heavy. interesting element in that, you know, um, because he he's caught on camera, you know, sort of like hitting somebody and things like that. And there's, you know, all calls about police brutality. And his superiors are very quick to kind of disown him or, or sort of point the blame at him, you know, what's going on. It's like, you know, road cop or whatever, uh, go, you know, you've got to go see a therapist and all this sort of stuff, you know, very, very quick to sort of um, do that. And that, that sort of feels, you know, um, a bit of a sort of political touchstone. Um, very interesting sort of element to the film, I thought. Yeah, the um, I say it's shot really well. Uh, we got Stephen Lang in there. He's probably the only really sort of majorly recognisable other member of the cast. 
but he he kind of dom- he dominates a couple of scenes, but then he kind of disappears. Yeah. He's he's very much a sort of. A, oh yeah, he's 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 fulfilling a role. Yeah, he's, I mean, yeah, it wouldn't make sense for him to turn up again if you see what I mean. But there's a whole kind of training scene that that's so they're that. trying they're trying to get him to yeah. connect with the dog and you know he's you know it's not just it's not that the dog is is not um trained or anything it's just you know you've got to look for what the dog what is the, what is the trigger you know yeah, what exactly. what is the thing that you need need to sort of click with the dog um i thought the stuff about the dogs uh being instructed in german was really interesting and then the whole thing about you know the uh, when they go on that mission at the beginning, somebody else is giving the dog commands, yeah, so yeah. they know it's kind of com- somebody who's either on the inside or, you know, works with dogs. So that's kind of his big clue that is is that he's following. But the whole German thing, and that's completely true. I was I, lo- I looked yeah, yeah. that up, and um, yeah. because a lot of them are German shepherds from Germany, they are um, trained, you know, initially to trained. Yeah, Because um, in German- I always I was wondering when I was watching it, have they used that? Have they used a different language? So that it's not, you know, um, I think that's part of it as well. I somebody can't accidentally yeah. trigger them exactly. because they're, it's a word that they're not likely to encounter. Or, so or trying to call them off and stuff like that, you know, sort of trying to get them to stop. You know, yeah. It's like, no, they're not going to listen to you unless you sort of speak in a certain language. Um, the, the TV series uh, Person of Interest used that uh, um, as well quite early on, where, mm-hmm. this, you know, these bad guys had they'd basically stolen a like a guard dog or something and this sort of Jim Weasel's character going, oh, you're not speaking to it properly. It knows Belgian in, in that particular scenario, uh-huh. you know, which I thought was quite good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did, did like that little element. I must admit. Now really there's a bit that really confused me. Mm. Um, and I don't know. There was a, there was another police officer who he was really, they were really antagonistic. They seemed, yeah, they seemed to have this sort of really antagonistic relationship. But then, but then it seemed the like they did a team up. Yeah. Was it the same guy? It was the same guy. Because, yeah, yeah I just didn't follow that. It was all, like, all of a sudden it's him and the other guy's got this massive gun. <laughs> so I, was I, like... I think, yeah, I, I think because it was like, you know, because of what had happened yeah. to, to him and, and his partner. And it's like, no, no, man, that was like, you know, that's your partner sort of thing. We've got to, we've got to try and help him. So I, I think it was a case of, you know, putting personal issues aside, you know, and sort of, some, sort of, yeah, doing the right I thing, thought, as it were. I thought it was quite interesting how seriously they took the relationship between um, uh, the canine officer and, and his dog. Uh, and the dog gets like a, a proper proper burial, you know, like that, proper yeah. burial, proper funeral, uh, and everything with a gun salute and everything. Mm. Um, so the film is to a to a degree paying quite a strong tribute to canine police officers, and mm. you know, saying, you know, they, they, they these are real, you know, they they they're really doing the job, and you know, they're doing a good job, and it's not sort of making light of it. They're not trying to, because yeah. it, it could have been. Because when I when I initially started the film or was approaching the film, it seemed like, oh, is this going to be another? Is this canine? Is it, the new yeah, version? Is it Jim Belushi? Sort is it of the thing? Jim Belushi <laughs> kind of canine kind of thing? Which is how dog cop movies have always been, hmm. uh, for the most part. I don't think anyone's ever done one that's like completely yeah. straight. I might be complete. I might be completely wrong on that. There's probably a few out there, um, but this one is, you know, very serious. 
you know, um, and not in a sort of, it doesn't play it for parody or anything. It's like, no, the, the, this, you know, people really love their dogs. And in this yeah. case, it's no different between this guy and his dog. He really loves this dog. It's like his brother. Uh, and, you know, he's going to, he wants to find out why he lost his brother. And when he meets this other dog who has, who messed them up, you know, because this other dog's had a lot of issues and stuff. And that, I, th I think that they, they play that really really well uh and uh, you know it, it works it actually it really does work i just think the film's a bit schizophrenic in the sort of oh we've got to try and make it a big action movie-ish kind of you know there's got to be stuff for the trailer and we've got to add in this you know sort of almost cartoonish level of um conspiracy almost like something from a 1980s action movie really where they would sort of reveal oh there's this big um you know um uh cover up you know like you know all, all you know even stuff like you yeah. know like exit wounds where the where it turns out the cops are all corrupt and they're actually smuggling drugs and t-shirts so whatever that's what i was trying to get yeah all that Burt reynolds movie where i think it's malone where yeah. there's you know it's kind of a standard sort of westernish kind of movie, yeah. uh setup but then there's this whole thing with um like an internet, you know, a, a national conspiracy being uh, undertaken, and here it's like a it's sort of a midway point to, with that. Yeah, it's what I was trying to get to earlier when I was mentioning mm. about the cops being very, very quick to sort of, like, you know, say, "Oh, you, you, you're talking crap." I mean, it's quite f funny that you know, there's a scene, one of the set pieces in the film is is where he comes across this um, house in, in sort of Beverly Hills, which is being used as a, as um, you know, a, a meth lab. Basically, it's this really nice estate, and and they're basically just using it as a meth lab. And he busts it, and 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 they're like, "Oh, the brass are really upset that you busted this meth lab in the middle of Beverly Hills, sort of thing." It's like, well, what was I supposed to do? <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the thing. Um, I, I just want to mention a book. Actually, I'm, I'm trying to find what, what we're talking. About. I'm trying to find the um, what it's actually called. But it's it's by a guy called um, Robert Craze, who, who's oh, done a yeah. Yeah, really yeah. good sort of series of books um, featuring a detect um, private eye called Elvis Cole. Um, but he did a book about um, a police officer who loses his partner and ends up becoming a dog handler, and and the dog is an ex military dog from you know he got injured in in. Um, uh, Iraq um, and it's a really really good book and it's sort of, you know it's taken from both of their points of view so some of it's from the dog's point of view some of it's from you know the other suspects guy. I've getting one called suspect Scott James and Maggie Maggie the dog I think yeah that could be it but yeah really really enjoyed it um, and I, I will say there was another dog I was talking about serial you know serious dog movies or whatever there was one called uh, I haven't seen it but there was the one I think it was released as Rex it was really called Megan Levy Oh, yeah. Which was the um, uh, the soldier mm -hmm. with her dog, yep. and I can't remember if that does similar stuff to this because I never saw it. But um, so I think there are more other more serious. Uh, there are other serious dog movies. But I think yeah, if you if you want a you know a thriller with a bit of action and and say you like and the dog stuff, uh, you know you like dogs. I think I think this has got a lot of lot of stuff to recommend. I think it. yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. Uh, and on that note, I am giving this a seven out of ten. I will join you on a seven. Awesome. Two sevens for Muzzle. Go check it out. 
our short shot this week is Unleashed. A vicious fighter called Danny the Dog is forced to wear an explosive collar by his owner and sees an opportunity for freedom when he becomes the centre of a power struggle between the organisers of underground fights. Um, so a fan film, Rich, based on um, the Jet Li film Unleashed, uh, also known as Danny the Dog. Yes. Um, which also starred not only Bob Hoskins, but Scott Atkins. Um, and I, I really need to see that again, I think. It's been ages since I've seen it. I watched uh, it last year. It really stands up. I think it's one of Jet Li's best. Hmm. This is excellent. Um, you know, ev everything about this short is first rate. Um, the setup is great. The, the guy they've got playing Danny is absolutely superb. The the fight choreography and, and um, design, it, it's got some amazing elements in there. Um, you know, a lot of how the, how the hell did they pull that off kind of stuff. One of the things I like about sort of modern choreography is this sort of use of like leg locks and things like that, you know, mm -hmm. sort of knocking people's knees. Mm -hmm. all, the, all of that, I think all of that stuff looks great. You know, it's very cinematic uh, and they do a great job of sort of sh showcasing the... Um, you know, the, the stunt actors in this. Yeah, and it's a, it's very much kind of a group effort from, you know, a number of uh, stunt professionals and, and choreographers and, and whatnot. Uh, di directed by uh, Luis uh, Valadares, uh, who's who's worked on films like um, Tomorrow War, Black Adam, Project Power, all sorts of stuff. Um, and uh, the lead, uh, the guy's playing Danny, uh, is Mark Cannon Izardo, who's not someone I was familiar with before. I think this is probably... Are quite possibly his first leading role that he's had in a in anything in anything. I, I know he's been a, he's a stunt player. Uh, I think he does some tricking, um, but yeah, I've not really seen him at all before. I thought he was great. Yeah. Um, he really him. You know, the the choreography was kind of a, uh, it was the action design was by Luis Valderas as well. But the the uh, and the stunt uh, stunt coordinator was Tony Falcon. Who's, who's done film, films like The Avengers? Um, uh, I think like Infinity War or something. Um, the it does, I think, look really good, and it feels like I could. I think you. I, I don't think it's unreasonable to say that it would feel like a t the TV adaptation of hmm. uh, uh, Unleashed, like almost like this is the fifteen-minute sneak peek of what the first season of unleash yeah. the series would be if you see what i mean it's kind of oh yeah it, it definitely has a as high-end tv production values i would say you know we're not saying you know it's, it doesn't look like a big budget movie because it's not shot it's not got a lot of money it's it's a shot in a warehouse kind of film but they've got quite a few extras and stuff and the cinematography is really solid uh, and say it's that choreography and and the editing the action design and and that is really first rate it's, as you were saying some fantastic moves there's like a bit where he he's sort of on his side and he jumps he sort of mm. jumps almost like impossibly into the air to sort of kick, kick out, kick somebody, uh, oh, yeah. even though he's kind of almost laying down. Mm. Um, uh, there's some, really, uh, some uh, you know, really, really cool stuff. It's, it is a fight short, essentially, mm -hmm. uh, but it's kind of uh, got this big centerpiece and then it kind of leads to a, uh, it's kind of a top and tail of the, the uh, confrontation yeah, between like basically crazy, the crazy version of the actual film, you know, quite nicely. Yeah, and we've got the Danny, uh, Danny's handler, mm -hmm. and who was originally played by Bob, Bob Hoskins, uh, and 
uh, he's uh, he's sort of antagonistic with this club, this fight club or whatever owner. Mm. And they while the fight's happening, the handler is taken off and then it leads into the next scene, which is shot very differently. It sort of mm. turns from the sort of warmth of the <clears throat> of the fight environment, it becomes very cold and sort of bluey. Yeah. Uh, and you think, oh, that's the dialogue scene that's kind of kind of end the movie, but no, it doesn't. Yeah. And you get another big action scene sort of kick kick off there. Yeah. Uh, so we get we get two really good fight scenes out of this. Really uh, good performances, good good uh, tribute. I hope you know it'd be great if if this actually went to something else. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I presume it won't. Uh, partly because it's a fan film, you know, it's not been licensed or anything. It's not made. It's not been proof. You could argue it as maybe it's a proof of concept for a mm-hmm. for a potential TV show, but I don't think that's necessarily what they had in mind. I think it's just them doing a love letter to it. Um, but yeah, really great. Um, so um, uh, fifteen minutes well spent, you know. Absolutely. Uh, we don't score the shorts, but we certainly recommend you go check them out. And you will find a link to this in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is Hellraiser Bloodline. In the 22nd century, the descendant of the creator of the Lament configuration puzzle box sets in motion an attempt to destroy Pinhead and his minions once and for all. I think this was um, it was quite maligned when it came out. It, it didn't have very good word of mouth. Um, no. It's very telling that it's... Um, uh, director Kevin Yeager took his name off this and, and replaced it with Alan Smithy, for mm-hmm. one thing. Um, and, and I must admit, this is the first time I've actually seen it, and I actually, for the most part, quite liked it. Um, you know, uh, we we saw a couple of other of of the um, sort of more recent uh, Hellraiser films a while ago. We, we, yeah. we, did, we did a twofer. Um, th- this certainly has a much bigger budget than either of those um, could ever hope for. Yeah. Uh, probably even combined, it's probably got a much bigger budget. I like the space stuff. I, I thought the, um, it, you know, it is very obvious what is going on with the um, the space station. As soon as you see it, you know exactly what's going to happen to it. Um, you know, the, the way the way it's been designed and everything. Uh, that was pretty obvious. Um we get we get two sort of extended flashback scenes. I mean, I think people sort of like compared this to like an anthology almost. Yes. Um, although it's you know it is very much a through line, a mm-hmm. bloodline, a bloodline even. Yes. Um, yes. You know, with, with the same characters involved um, throughout, uh, or, or the same actors playing different versions of you know different um, eras of of their character. Um, I thought, you know, the, 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 the design of it was very good. The production di- design was good. Some good, sort of proper, decent prosthetics and, and effects going on. Um, some of the designs, like like the two security guards, what happened to them? I thought that was really impressive and grotesque. Thought really, really like that. The one thing I didn't like, and this is something which applies to just about all prequels is the the need the seeming need to over explain everything it's like oh so that's where the chains came from the chains were the hooks 
you know, it's not Pinhead's idea. It was this Marquis de Sade kind of character's thing. And they just utilized it and exploited it. It's like, mm. no, you don't, you don't need to do that. You know, just let it be their thing. Don't, you don't have to explain it to, you know, um, it always, always annoys me when they do that. So somebody quite succinctly put it to me, you know, it's like, um, Ineola Jones and the Last Crusade, and he's sitting there watching. And he goes, "Oh, oh, so that's how he got his whip and his hat." It's like, yeah, <laughs> we don't really need to know. It's big thing, <laughs> you know, and not everything has to have this big story behind it. But other than that, other than that sort of element, I, I yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was um, pretty grotesque in, in keeping with, uh, especially the second one, you know, um, Hellbound. Um, so yeah, this was this was solid for me. How about you? Yeah, I think it's um, it was kind of it it is a it is a mess. It was it was you know greeted as you know as as a bit of a mess when it came out mm. because you know it didn't really satisfy the fans of the the pure Hellraiser movies, the first two, and it didn't sat it, it was the second one that the Weinstein's were involved in, and the the third one done by Anthony Hickox, which is my favourite. But is is very tonally not in keeping with the first two. It's it's a much more mainstream, bombastic kind of uh, you know set piece driven film, uh, and this one sort of takes it, sort of tries to do a little bit of that with the with the sci fi and every elements and stuff. But it, it's more pulling it back to uh, trying to make it a bit more of a down to earth kind of. Mm horror story rather and um i think that was why one of the reasons it didn't quite work for people as well as the fact that it was sort of chopped up to chopped to bits and some of it just didn't quite make sense and work but i think in time over time and if you you know uh you know approaching it sort of with the benefit of hindsight after all these other hellraiser sequels and, and yeah. stuff and then and yeah, having, you know having watched thinking it about, after the you know, after um what was it legacy and whatever the other one was called um yeah, it, it certainly favors being watched after after those two. You know, you've got Doug Bradley. You know, he gets he's got some, you know as Pinhead as it should be. Uh, you know, in the, say this was the last theatrically released one, a director video here in the UK. But the, the 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 level of quality is there. I think the the thing was the end of the, th the third one ended with the shot of the building in the design of the the mm. lemon configuration, and mm. this film didn't really have the budget to pick up on that uh, or at least uh, not to a great extent so that you see it uh, you see it a little bit uh, it's actually more visible in the um, the work print version uh, now this has come out uh, this is part of the new Hellraiser quartet yeah. um, release uh, which is like on uh, 4k and blu-ray yeah, uh, and so this is bit. yeah so Hellraiser bloodline is getting a a proper release for like the first time really uh, and it's got all these extras and commentary and stuff which is really really interesting uh, and the work print is quite fascinating sort of see a bit more about what they were trying to go for and the, the structure of the film that was was originally supposed to have uh, not not this um, uh, interview kind of setup where they go into space at the very start of the film it was you know the the work print version uh, that I saw. Oh, do they save save all that for the end? Are they basically? exactly? That's how it was originally supposed to go. It starts in the past, yeah. goes to the present, then goes to the future. And I felt that 
when I watched the work print version as interesting. Like it, it kind of felt like it peaked at the end of the of the um, present day stuff, and then it turned. And then you were basically watching a different film. It didn't quite kind right. of connect in that yeah. sense. But I so I think this version, you know, the theatrically released version, does work in that sense of that it kind of keeps everything together a bit better. What they've done is they've shot they shot some extra sort of interview scenes and whatever to 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 bridge it and you know add in the sort of elements which was uh there was a steven seagal film called attack force which was a complete mess and they tried to sort of change that film by shooting some interview scenes where they do massive exposition or whatever to try and try and get around some of the issues they were having um i think as yeah i think it's really 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 good actually um the i like I like what they were trying to do with it, um, mm-hmm. and I think the the whole bit at the end with the space station and what what happens with it. I didn't because I saw it when I was young. I didn't mm-hmm. see, I didn't you know think about it too much, and I didn't see what was coming. So I thought that was quite good. And when you think about it, of like this was what they were intending to do was do a combination prequel sequel, and basically end the franchise. Mm-hmm. They were capping it off. Basically, every other film that's come after every film that's come after this is set before the space stuff. So yeah, that makes sense. this is still yeah. effectively the end of the, the end story. Of yeah, yeah. So that does quite work quite well. And uh, Valentin Vargas is is fantastic as the sort of lead, the second antagonist. She's kind of the main antagonist, really, for yeah. for the for most of the, a lot of the film. She's introduced at the beginning, and uh, and then she appears in the in the present day. All that stuff's really good. Adam Scott. Uh, appears uh, in in the in the in the uh, first part of the film, and he looks basically exactly the same as he does now, which is really really weird. He's, he's like, he hasn't really aged, um, so it's quite interesting to see to see him in there. Uh, the brothers that you you were talking about, the brothers who become Cenobites, they're yeah. actually film um, film. Do you remember we did the film Terror on the Prairie? Yes. With Gina Carano, um, yeah. well, one of those guys is uh, Michael po- Polish, uh, who directed that film and has directed oh, several others. I think they're both directors, yeah. um, and you know, together and separately, they worked on a number of projects. But yeah, the, that's that that's quite a novel thing. I think they, they didn't really. Um, uh, I don't know why they, you know, whether they were acting for very long, but um, they were quite fun because there's funny sort of interplay with them when their characters when you know they're they're searching down the corridors and they're talking to each other there's uh, there's some banter going on which i thought was quite fun um there's the work print has some features that are would have been quite interesting to have been incorporated into into this they they sort of cut they cut out a lot of stuff that so i would definitely say if you're interested in the hellraiser series um the work that you know seeking this sort of special edition out and and watching those extra features, including the, the audio commentary by, uh, with Kim Newman and, and writer Peter Atkins, is really interesting. Uh, Peter Atkins's original script uh, is also available to buy. Uh, I'd be really interested to read that of what the concept originally was, because basically, what was the story? It was it was always going to be past, present, future, mm. uh, and that was all signed off by the Weinstein's. And then when they started to make it, they said. Hang on, what are you what are you doing? And they started to meddle, you know, very seriously. In it. Yeah. Um, laser laser guns in a Hellraiser movie. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> it's like it, it's like it's like proper pew pew kind of yeah, <laughs> kind of laser right. guns, uh, and very much modelled on aliens. It seemed a mm-hmm. uh, bit too much so, perhaps. Uh, 
I really like the stuff with the robot trying to, although there's some dodgy did, CGI there. I, I did like the, the bit at the beginning when, yeah. well, in this version where he uses the robot to yeah. open the box. I thought that was a, a class little move. Yeah, I, thought, I think all that works really nicely. There's, there's, there's a lot. I think there's a lot to recommend this uh, to give it a sort of a reappraisal uh, after, you know, whatever, how, you know, 1996 it was originally released. I think uh, it's aged well. Yeah, it has certainly aged well. Yeah, and I think it's got a lot, a lot to recommend it that sort of sits well with the mm -hmm. franchise now, especially, say, with where it ultimately ended up <laughs> so it, look, it looks a lot better uh, by contrast to, to, to some of that stuff say so hellraiser 3 is still the one for me mm. but uh, yeah it's it's not the it's not the awful abomination kind of no, that, that people all. think uh, and it's 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 uh yeah so you've never seen it before you quite enjoyed I, it i did so. yeah i mean I'd, I'd only seen the you know the original trilogy as it were mm. um and and then you know the, the two that we saw later on um, about the, yeah. the two guys trying to you know um, get out of what they did in i think it was revelations, in, revelations and judgments the two, the two yeah. they were good you know they were, the ones they were without doug bradley basically the two without doug bradley yeah. apart from the obviously there's the there's been the new one the new remake which i still haven't seen uh, no, obviously I, without doug bradley I, I, do, I don't really want to see that as well anyway Okay, um, we don't score the throwbacks, but we certainly recommend you check them out. As Rich has been intimating, um, Hellraiser Bloodlines is now available um, in a box set uh, with the... Is it called the Quadrilogy or something? Or uh, It's the Quartet of Torment. Quartet uh, of it's Torment. from uh, from Arrow video. Arrow, yeah. So all, all nicely remastered you know, across the board. I must admit, I'd like to get hold of a copy because I'd like to see... I, I saw um, Hellbound reasonably recently probably about two years ago mm -hmm. but i'd certainly like to revisit um hell on earth um the third one that'd be really cool um other than that uh cheers rich for watching these films i thought we had a decent selection for once um compared to uh last week especially um yeah top and tailed with uh, muzzle and uh showdown at the grand uh evie mercy falls um even werewolf santa had its merits. So, yeah, a, a decent selection for people to go and check out, keep an eye out for. Other than that, um, check us out on Facebook and Twitter at the DTV Digest, also the Short Shots, where we put a link to a, a new short every evening around about 8 o'clock. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time. listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.